the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmett. And good afternoon. Are you having fun yet? Don't you hate that question? You people say, oh, are you having fun yet? Because you know, generally, people ask that question, you are not having fun. Right. That's, that's like very, a lot of despair. That's very annoying. Why have you decide, decided to ask me that? Well, I saw that uh, Wallet Hub has uh, crunched a lot of numbers. You know what Wallet Hub is? I've been on Wallet Hub several times. They do like weird things about how people decide to spend their money right. and the kinds of things that they spend their money on and the mm-hmm. kinds of things that if you run a small business, you might want to encourage people to spend money on or like how where you could you know look to make an impact. Right. And then they, yeah, they take those numbers and they turn them into something else, which is what I'm ready to talk about, which is the fun states, the most fun states across the country. Now, who's ranking the most fun states? Wallet Hub is. They've okay. crunched a lot of numbers. Attractions, restaurants, golf courses, oh. All right. well, beaches, national fun. parks. Yeah. Uh, they came up with the ranking of the fun funnest states. Now, Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania did not top any subgroup. Overall, we did not fare too badly, considering. Because we're so much fun. 50 states, right? The 50 states, mm-hmm. uh, our neighbors to uh, to the south did not fare well. You West Virginia? West Virginia? 50. <gasps> 50th unfun <gasps> state. What? 50th. It's the least fun state. The least fun state. Poor West Virginia. In the Virginia. whole union. Yeah. It's a big union. Mm-hmm. Wow. The least fun. And that, then, is a, that is a noble... That's a shame. Recommendation. Uh, then wow. Mississippi came in at 49, no, Delaware fun. 48. Uh, places you might think were not a whole Boy, lot of Delaware fun. Delaware is 48. Yeah. You know, i got to be honest with you. It's not fun? It's not all that fun. Yeah, well, it's just, Wallet Hub has the uh, numbers to prove it. Rhode Island, Vermont, Arkansas, Alabama, Connecticut. But those places are all not fun? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, North Dakota is number 40. Maine is number 37. Now, come on. I thought Maine was very fun. Mm -mm. New Jersey, number 33. How do they decide what's fun and what's not? Yeah. uh, Good question. So, let me see. I knew you were going to ask. That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah. like seems like the logical question you would ask. Well, you know what? Um, you know, whenever like when I just say that, when people say that's a good question, when people ask that and you hear that response, you think, "Oh, here it comes." Yeah, they, they, don't they don't know what's going on. They don't know. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. question. Yeah, okay. Wallet Hub has crunched numbers. That's all I got. Okay. Their sources include the U.S. Census Bureau, the National Park Service, American Gaming Association, TripAdvisor, and um, oh, I see. they've okay. taken all these variables, right, which include, like, like I said before, attractions, restaurants, oh. golf courses. Okay, okay, attractions, restaurants, golf courses, and what people are Nightlife, saying. Nightlife, beer, and wine prices. That's I mean, important to Mike. Yeah. Both beer <laughs> and wine. 
Okay. <laughs> Fear on wine prices. So then there's all these different numbers and variables. And so the number for West Virginia is 1441 out of a possible 75. Whatever that, whatever the numbers are. Okay. okay. All right. So that's but why West but Virginia. But the bottom, the bottom line is that West Virginia is the least fun state. Yes. All uh, right. Now, uh, let me go from uh, ten forward. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So these are the top ten. Top ten fun states. Okay. So this is attractions. This is nightlife. Mm-hmm. This is restaurants. Golf this courses, is beaches, golf, beer beaches, and wine, national beer. parks. <laughs> Mike mm. keeps bringing up that right beer and wine thing. Number ten, Texas. Mm-hmm. I was a, just in Texas. Was it fun? I mean, I had a really good time, but I don't – I'll tell you one thing. You know what? I was in Houston. Absolutely terrific restaurants. Really? I ate like an absolute king. Nice. Oh, it's all that oil. It was right? really wonderful. Uh, Oregon. I liked Oregon. Number nine. Oregon's very – you know what I like about Oregon? Hmm. Do you know that the entire coastline of the state from the top to the bottom is not developable? Too rocky? No, it's just that it's owned by the state. There's oh, no oh, development oh, allowed. Really? So it's all wild, the oh, whole that's coastline. Nice. Wow. Did you travel that? I did. Oh, how beautiful that it's must beautiful. have been. Beautiful. Very, nice. very beautiful. Number eight, the Keystone State. We're, <gasps> we're number eight. We're number eight. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. I like it. We're eight in fun. Okay. <laughs> that's high praise. Mm-hmm. Number seven is Minnesota. What do you Wait, think? Really? How's Minnesota? Minnesota more fun than us? It's cold. Uh, number six, Nevada. I mean, they got That's because they Vegas. have Vegas. That's all they got. Uh-huh. Number five is Colorado. Mm-hmm. That's, is that because of what legal marijuana? I don't know. No. Big mountains. Denver, beautiful, right? Uh, number four is Washington State. Now, I've also been there. Mm-hmm. Was, I mean, it's fun. Yep. But what? How can that? It's not that fun. I don't know. Number Good. three is uh, New York State. Now, see, New York's really fun. Oh, come on. New York's a lot of fun. A lot of angst in New York. Uh, Number two, no surprise, Florida. Yeah. There's a lot of Disney. Yeah. And number one, no surprise at all. Is California. Yes. Number one. It's hard to compete with California. I mean, they're bankrupt. Their schools are horrible. They're in (laughs) debt. They have to buy their energy from other states. But I'm telling you. They may fall into the ocean, but they're close to it. They are fun. Sounds Mm -hmm. like a lot of fun. (laughs) Right. So anyway, uh, for people who are burning couches uh, on their porches in West Virginia, mm-hmm. that's not a whole lot of fun. That's too bad, isn't right, it? Just saying. Hey, it's National Corn on the Cob Day. Oh, that's a little too early. What's well, way too early? It is way too cob. early. Why isn't National Corn on the Cob Day in August? Yeah, uh, I bought some corn on the cob the other day. Why? Uh, to put in a salad. How was that? That's not very good. Was it was it excellent. Good? Really already? Yeah, it was like uh, it was white corn. My wife always says, a salad's good, but when you put corn in a salad, it makes it special. That's delicious. I think so, too. So, so what, did you cook it? You steamed no, it first? No, Just take it with a knife and you know, ch- 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 pop it in there. Those are called cob salads, correct? No, uh, that's, that's funny, wrong. but that's, that's wrong. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back it up for a minute. So you're putting raw corn in your salad? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you cook it? Well, because you want to cook it. No, you don't. You just eat it. Well, you're not putting like a raw turnip in your salad. You're putting you a raw tomato. You're putting a raw cucumber. You're putting a raw mushroom. No, that's a good a, point. A raw crouton. Raw no, crouton. every crouton's cooked, by the way. I'm just kidding. Whatever. Right. I, wow, okay. I like it. You want to make a special salad? Put some corn in there. Okay. National. Uh, let me ask you a question. How do you okay. eat your corn on the cob? With everything possible on it. Oh. Salt, pepper, and butter. Oh. Sour cream. Sour cream? There's some sour cream on that. Are Never. you serious? Oh, yeah. Sour cream. Okay, sour cream with a little bit of pepper on top. Really, really. Okay, oh, yeah. how, how about, about you? this? 
This I don't do this anymore because it's so wrong. Yeah. But this is what I grew up doing. Butter and brown sugar. Oh, that's Ooh. good. Butter and brown sugar. Wow. Listen, that is the most delicious oh, thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it of course is it is, yeah. So good. You know what my wife puts on her corn? What? Nothing. Nothing. Not even salt. No butter? She's nothing. She swears by it. So I'm all, all look at me, I'm loading up. Not butter, even butter, salt. No, nothing. Nothing. But so she's not putting anything on. Mike's putting sour cream on. Yeah. Putting and, all the works on. And I got butter and brown sugar. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Mike and I are making it into making it into cheesecake mm. and apple pie. You ever been to that's a right. corn roast? No. Oh, well, that's a you got to go to a corn roast sometime. Really, it's a lot of fun. I mean, sure get, it is. Oh but, yeah. But do, do, what do, do they do? do? Just eat corn after corn after corn after. It's like gigantic. It, you could have 30 years of corn if you'll find about it. I think they have a lot of those events in California. Oh, no. that's, you know why? Because that's such a fun state. <laughs> I've been to Kiln Roast in Pennsylvania go, and I'm, Florida. I'm sure they were yeah. fun. Very nice. Coming up next, how do I figure out where to go? We'll talk to Princeton-educated writer and author Amy Julia Becker. All right. It's the uh, butter and brown sugar edition of The Ride Home. It just makes it better. The fun never stops. Stick around. Hey, employers, are you tired of paying outrageous premiums for health insurance? How about a plan that allows you to go to any hospital in the country, a plan that pays you back every year? Now, whether you want a top-of-the-line plan or just enough to keep you legal, Marley Financial, they have a custom-made plan just for you. As a small business owner, you owe it to yourself to stay ahead of the ever-changing marketplace, and Marley's been on the cutting edge of new and improved health plans for both individuals and for businesses. And only Marley Financial offers health plans that actually pay you back. So go to MarleyFG.com for unbiased, top-notch plans from any carrier in Pennsylvania, plans that will save you money and give you an edge over the competition. They even offer custom business solutions to reduce your liability and your overhead as you grow. They're truly one of the most innovative agencies in the nation. So give them a call now, Marley Financial, 724-884-1496, or visit them online at MarleyFG.com. 101.5 WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. Today, if you hear his voice, today, meaning this day of opportunity, not this just this 24-hour period, but right now, to harden your heart is to resist and rebel against the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Introducing the new $5 Biggie Bag from Wendy's. It comes with a new bacon double stack made with a quarter pound of fresh, never frozen beef and topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon. Plus four nuggets, fries, and a drink all for just five bucks. That's right, just five dollars. The new five dollar biggie bag from Wendy's is everything you could ever want. Well, at least for lunch. Try Wendy's new five dollar biggie bag today. Biggie bag includes four piece nuggets, small fries, and a small drink. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Approximate weight before cooking. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. Sometimes. 
Guys, if you've heard this as a single person, and I know it's well intended, when people say to you, don't you know me? Word FM presents writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. God's going to send that person for you. It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. What's wrong with that thought process is it says that those of you who are married were ready when you got married. I saw some wives looking at their husband like, we've been married 23 years, he's still in the For tickets and group discounts, go to wordfm.com. I remember hearing an interview with Bono, maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. And he was talking about how, you know, he is one of those people who, you know, it can be very annoying because he's such a, you know, public figure and in-your-face type of, you know personality where he's always trying to do the next thing and figure out what that is right Right. Um, but he said he had come to an important revelation he said that he had spent so many years deciding what he was going to do and then asking god to bless it he said but what he had realized is if he just asked god what he was already doing what god was already doing then it was already blessed Mm -hmm. so if you look for where god is and then go there, as opposed to deciding what you want to do and asking for God to come with you, then things can end up in a whole different place. That's excellent. Amy Julia Becker is with us. She is the author of White Picket Fences, Turning Toward Love in a World Divided by Privilege, among several excellent books. She also has a terrific blog. Uh, She wrote a piece on that blog called How Do I Figure Out Where to Go? Amy Julia, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you both. So, Amy, finding out what God's already doing because that's blessed is a great way of looking at uncertainty in life. Yeah, absolutely. I um, love that. And I had not actually heard uh, Bono, you know, hadn't heard that he had said that, but I so resonate because I think it's so easy for us to think my job is to figure it out as opposed to my job is to look and listen for where God already is and then participate. That's been a big word in my life this year. Just um, I want to participate. And what an amazing opportunity that God is already at work and we get to participate in that and we're invited into the work that God's already doing. I love that. Nice. So, Amy, there you are. You're, you're doing your uh, daily exercise. You're out for mm-hmm. a run. And, of course, you know, in your run, you're with your thoughts. You're thinking what? And you hear what? I, I literally had this thought, you know, I need to figure out what to do next. I just had written, I wrote a book. It came out in October. I've been on lots of speaking circuits for six months, and it's coming to an end, and I'm looking at the summer and the fall, and I think I need to figure out what to do next. And what I'm really grateful for is that as quickly as that thought came, I heard another voice that said, or you could look for where God is leading you next. Um, and that was like, oh, all right, right, right. That's what I want. You know, I don't want to have to figure it out. I don't want to be striving. I don't want to be pushing. I want to be following. Um, and again, what an invitation to follow where the Lord is leading rather than um, having to create my own path. Right. But it's not like you throw up the question and you get an instant answer. You know, as we have a friend who says, God's not your ATM. You know, it's, oh my gosh, it's yeah. not like you just show up and ask for something and you get it. So this it's a process of abiding, which is not something that you can rush and not something that you can engineer because you're talking about the creator of the universe. I mean, it's even preposterous to talk about it, like I think that you might be able to engineer it. And it's also, I've been in this 
process of discernment really now for a couple of months, which doesn't mean I'm not doing anything, but it does mean that I'm not making big picture decisions um, about the future. And it has been hard for me as a planner, as a productivity-oriented person, and in our 24-7, I have to be busy all the time, everything is urgent world. And I've really been struck by actually the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 describing love, which at its core is God, you know, God is love. And so, and it says what? Love is patient. (laughs) There's no urgency to love. There's this invitation to rest, to be restored. The other place I've gone over and over again is Psalm 23, where um, there's this real, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I mean, there's this like, and again, I get to rest and again and again. And then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that activity that is taking all of that blessing and that rest um, out in the world is real. And it's something God calls us to, but I skip I skip to that uh, because I think it makes me feel like I'm doing something right rather than um, believing that this relational invitation to rest and be restored is what comes first and that's foundational. And if I really want an identity that is rooted in who uh, God is and in the love of Christ, then I have to do that abiding, do that resting um, and really just sink my roots down. That's so wonderful. But, Amy, I'm sure you're like me. You know, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're praying on a regular basis. But at the same time, there are times when I'm praying and I think, I'm speaking directly to the Lord of the universe and the billions and billions of people who have come before me were all part of that mix. And here I am, and I have confidence. It's shocking to think that, though. I have confidence that the Lord is speaking back to me. I just, I know it. I believe it. I've seen it. It's, of course, part of my life. But at the same time, it does feel a little unbelievable. It is mind-blowing. I mean, which actually, I just, the psalm that comes to mind, like, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or what are humans that you are mindful of us? Like, that idea that the God who created the galaxies, uh, you know, could actually be mindful of us as individual human beings is almost absurd. Um, and certainly, inc- what an incredible honor, you know, mm-hmm. that we are actually able to be in a relationship with the God of the universe. Um, and yet, there is also, I, I think, a good humility that can come from recognizing our position in all of this, you know, amidst the galaxies. Yeah, yeah. We're talking to Amy Julia Becker. Amy, you know, we've uh, we've talked with you for a long time, over a lot of years, and I was Mm -hmm. thinking about you saying that you were in a, like, a season of discernment. And I'm wondering, uh, I mean, how long have you been in that period, and how long... Like, do you, when you decide, are are you deciding you're in a season of discernment or is it just because you don't, you don't know what else to do and so you have to label it something? That's a good question. (laughs) That is such a good question. Are you deciding you're in a season of discernment? So, um, so I would say I'm such a planner. So I'm like a type A, you know, person who uses, I mean, I literally use a planner. I set goals. I tend to know what's coming. I can tell you my calendar, you know, up till the next December. Um, And so in March, I knew that I had about three more months of speaking about this book, and I started to think, okay, and then what's next? And then then what's next after you're done with all that? And and I really wasn't sure, and I basically felt like I had lots of options. I had lots of book ideas. I had some video ideas. I had some, you know, oh, maybe I'll go and, you know, go back to school. I had lots of thoughts, but I did not have any sense of 
this is what you ought to be doing. Like, this is really where the Lord is leading you. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to keep thinking and praying about this. But even then, I probably wouldn't have called it a time of discernment because I expected by the end of May, which was the end of my speaking engagements, I would have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, as that time approached, it became more and more and more, you know, all I was getting essentially from God was um, a kind of this gentle nudging, that moment on that run, as well as a Bible study that I was leading in which I asked the question, what does it mean to follow someone in terms of, I was just thinking about following Jesus in the Gospels, but we started talking about the difference between following someone on social media and following someone on a trail, um, and how we want to be people who follow Jesus as if he's our you know, leader and guide on a trail where we don't know where we're going. So I'm thinking about all those things, and again, just hearing, love is patient, he makes me lie down, and um, and there's nothing urgent to this. And so I think there's an invitation to me right now to really just be resting and waiting, um, which is very uncomfortable, but also really freeing in my hope and desire to, again, back to what we were saying at the beginning, participate in the work that God is already doing and to do that um, faithfully and joyfully and not in a striving to make my own way. Nice. Um, yeah, and, and so with that, so that that waiting and being patient around that, I, I'm sure it, as a, that sort of a plus personality, there's a lot of awareness around that as well. Because when it comes upon you, when that moment comes, you want to be aware. Because I'm afraid it's going to go by, and God was saying something to me, and I missed it. Yeah, I have. I've been reading. Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff about the contemplative tradition of Christian spirituality. So. Ruth Haley Barton has written a book called Sacred Rhythm, yes, which I highly recommend. that's a great recommend. book. I love that so book. So good. And there's a book on discern—I mean, a chapter on discernment in that book, um, which was really helpful to me in this time period. And she talks about our—she um, actually talks about our soul as being something that we have to wait to give it permission to come out, um, like a deer in a forest. Like if you sit really silently for a long time, you might start to see the animals like they come out. Um, but I also think that we can like you know, just move so quickly and noisily through the world that we miss God's spirit as well. Not that God's spirit isn't absolutely present all the time, but as Jesus said, like, do we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear? And so that sense of cultivating silence and solitude out of expectation that God's presence is real, constant, and attentive to us, And we can be attentive to God's Spirit in return. And so the one thing I have been doing that's pretty, you know, kind of daily and faithful is sitting in a place of not um, prayer like I've always known it, which is to say, you know, here are all the things that I'm thinking about and needing. I'm still doing that, but I'm also spending anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes a day just sitting and saying things like love is patient, you know, Mm -hmm. just reminding myself of all of these truths so that I'm attentive to um, what I hope will be a clear word and direction from God um, at some point in the near future. That's good. Amy, it's always a pleasure. We thank you so much for your for your thoughtfulness and your searching as well, because it's a, it's a, an encouragement to us as we do the same thing. Amy Julia Becker, you can find her online, amyjuliabecker.com. How do I find out where to go? She's the author of several excellent books. Uh, the book of the year 2011 was A Good and Perfect Gift. Um, 
which we love so much about our daughter Penny, and her latest book is called White Picket Fences, Turning Towards Love in a World Divided by Privilege. Hey, this is The Ride Home on Word FM. Stick around. We're just getting underway. we got lots more ahead. And, uh, well, we're going to talk with someone who's left the Amish community during the 5 o'clock hour. But what do you see what's next? I want you to sleep in. I want you to cool down. And I want you to have the home of your dreams. I'm Alyssa Walters, CEO and daughter of family-owned and run BlindsGalore.com. My mom, Shelly. Hi, everyone. And I have been working together for as long as I can remember. We've never settled for mediocre, and you shouldn't either. We're tough customers, but we love to say wow when it's worth it. That's why we built Blinds Galore, to give you designer blinds, shades, drapery, and shutters without the designer price. Get free samples, free shipping, and all the free design help you desire. Our in-house team of experts can help you online or over the phone every step of the way. Plus, you're free to exchange your custom blinds or shades for any reason. It's that simple. We've been doing this for nearly 20 years and want you to take pride in your window treatments. It's your home after all. You'll love the view. We We promise. promise. Just go to blindsgalore.com. That's blindsgalore.com. She has a way of communicating to you what's going on and correcting you with you actually wanting to do it. With Dr. Megan Stock, exceptional dental care can be habit-forming. Personally, I was doing some habits that I could have gotten better at, and I never really felt motivated to change before. And then after meeting with Dr. Megan, she said it in such a nice way that it's like, oh, well, maybe I should start doing these things. It changed some of my habits because of her. So it's pretty cool. Perry Highway Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. What's happened to my son? We raised him in the church and he went to youth group. He's not acting like himself and this morning I found drugs in his room. I can't tell my pastor or my friends. They'll think I'm a bad parent. Is this my fault? I'm so ashamed and don't know where to turn. There is hope. For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has been helping families to find answers to their loved one's drug addiction. Call today, 724-265-4100, or visit paatc.org, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. This month at Napa Auto Parts stores, get $25 or more off brand new DeWalt power tools by trading in your old ones. Quality parts, helpful people, that's Napa know-how at participating Napa Auto Parts stores. All supplies last, offer ends June 30th. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half of home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music festivals, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping and God save the green. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Looking very nice for this evening. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Comfortable with a low of 51 for tomorrow. Sunny to partly cloudy. A nice afternoon, high 76. Turning cloudy tomorrow night with some showers around after midnight. Low 57, then breezy and cooler Thursday with clouds and a few showers, along with a thunderstorm. Thursday's high 66 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle.
the uh, celebrity birthday moment. I think it is. It's a little hometown pride here. Let's hear a clip. That's Super Bowl. Yeah, and uh, it's Joe Montana. Yeah. His birthday's today. He is, do you know how old, John? 72? Mm-mm. This is one of the rare moments when you are way off. Mm-hmm. 63. 63? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to go even deeper. Give him a giant My, my first break. thought was, oh, he's 79. I was... Yeah, Joe Montana from Monongahela, PA. But born in Washington County. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Ringgold High School. Yep. Ringgold High School still has uh, Joe Montana Stadium. Oh, there. really? Cool. Uh-huh. Went to Notre Dame. Nice. And uh, played 16 seasons in the NFL. Most of them with, I think, 12, I want to say, with San Francisco. I think there were just two. That's off my memory, so though, 14, with Kansas City. 14 with San Francisco, two with oh, Kansas That's what City. I meant. Sorry. 14 and two. Yeah. Um, won four Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Super Bowl MVP three times. That's cool. And he was the first person to do that. But I think, and this is so painful for me to say it. But I believe Tom Brady eclipsed that. Well, no surprise. I mean, you know, Tom Brady's owned the the Super Bowl the last decade. It's so upsetting. I can't even deal with it. He has the uh, all-time highest passer rating, you know, 127.8. That always bothered me. What's that? The highest passer rating should be 100. What? Uh, it's just so. I don't. Well, know. no, it's like guys. You know your GPA. You know your QPA. I know. I don't like that because if you're taking you know right. higher courses, I don't you know, like college that. classes. Yada yada. It's stupid. I never understood the passer rating. Anyway, uh, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2000. He was the NFL MVP in 1989 and 1988. Pro Bowls. Nice. And I didn't realize this until I looked today. The 49ers retired his number, number 16. Yeah. You know, Steelers don't retire numbers. Oh, they I don't. Think is, I think. But no one's wearing like you know. Terry Bradshaw's number, are they? Well, I, yeah, sure. Really? There have been 12s. Really? Have there been sure. 12s? Yeah, there have been 12s. There have been a lot of 84s and 88s. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. Anyway, 49ers retired his number, number 60. Very nice. Well, a local boy makes good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold his 500-acre horse farm in California a few years back. Did for he? Like $40 million. Even in spite of the fact that it's the most fun state? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's having more fun someplace else, <laughs> apparently. It's hard to believe. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And Joe Montana. Good for him. Yeah. How old? 63. 63. Yeah. That's quite a life at 63. Really terrific. Excellent. All right. Take a break. Come back. Yeah. How to be a weaver in your immediate life. Like with a loom or something like that? No, I'm not good at weaving. No, you're good at connecting. Oh, so that's what we're talking about? I think that's what it is, yeah. Okay. How do we connect? How do we weave? How do we uh, alter the community around us? Straight ahead. 101.5 WORD. Listen to Adrian Rogers. For by grace are you saved. Glory to God. That's good news. That's the story of redeeming love. Learn how to wisely make the decisions that determine your destiny as you learn about God's redeeming love with Adrian Rogers this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. 
had a lot of credit card debt and I couldn't pay my bills. I was feeling so bad. I got to a point where I needed some help. So I reached out and contacted Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496 to talk to a certified counselor. They were able to take all of my different payments and put them all together. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. And they were actually able to work with my creditors. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000 in the last 18 months. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. My name is Stephanie, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. I've been around a long time, seeing a lot of gadgets show up that are supposed to make my job easier. Digital screwdrivers, hammer 2.0, the new improved nail, now with more pointiness. You know what really makes my job easier? Granger. Easy reordering, easy inventory solutions, and easy to do business with every time. Gadgets come and go. You want reliability. You want Granger. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are you a weaver? Uh, I, I would say yes. Okay. Maybe not on a, a giant scale, but yeah, definitely, I'm a weaver. I, yeah. I would say you're a weaver as well. Well, you're for sure a weaver at work. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... That's my job. That's your job, right? right? Is you find a way to, to connect to connect people and put things together. And but April Lawson's with us, and she's a weaver of a different but do you sort. Think she's an expert weaver. Well, she's you know hands-on weaver. We're sort of ethereal weavers. No, I think you're a very hands-on weaver. All right, we'll we'll let April decide that. April Lawson is with us. She is um, the associate director of Weave, the social fabric project at the Aspen Institute, here today to talk to us about what exactly is and how does a weaver work. April, welcome. Thank you. All Good right. So, yeah, so we need to assess the weaving capabilities of uh, John Hall, I think, as part of <laughs> today's segment. I have a loom. <laughs> All okay. right. So, so why is weaving important? Uh, well, so what we mean by weaving is people who in the, the world values people who are good at, um, you know, efficiency and email and uh, meetings and there's also a, and but there's a kind of person who's like a genius at relationships, and what they are just about is connecting to people and helping people connect to each other. And everyone, we all know them. There are people who listen to you really well, and people who, 
you know, you can tell that they're really present with you when you're talking to them and they, you know, they will talk to all kinds of different people and treat them basically as individuals, like as, as human beings. And I think that, um, you know, our society has, <laughs> is falling apart in a number of ways, but there are also people who are fixing it. And those are the people who we call weavers. You two definitely fit the category. Although interestingly, we all do. It's just, um, most of us only do that sometimes. And the people that were, you know, our project is trying to highlight are the people who just like, this is what they're all about. Um, so I think that, uh, the things that <laughs> I love how you, you started this off and, um, the, the goal is really just for all of us to be a little bit more that way. Um, one of the reasons we started our, the ways that we started our project was we thought about the fact that, you know, there are conferences and people put important people on stage all the time and the world, you know, has all sorts of criteria for what makes you an important person. But if you ask most people who's the most important person in your life or who has changed your life, it's not usually, you know, Oprah or a basketball player or a politician. It's usually the person who was there for them when they really needed someone mm -hmm. as a coach or their mentor or their sometimes a parent or a sibling. And those are the people that we want to say are important. And we're just trying to capture, you know, what they do. And it's much more um, in how how we do things than in, in you know, what exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're usually not the heads of organizations, right? They're, they're ground-level people. So it's an awareness then of the weavers in your life, and in some ways you emulate that weavers. But what you're doing, April, is you're trying to equip and encourage and engage those weavers to people like you know people who would not consider themselves to be that weaver. There is a road for that forward. Totally, and and the thing is that it's interesting is I think actually we all want to be that. Yeah, it's just that we don't really know how, and the world. Our modern culture does a terrible job of teaching us, right? And so one of the, I, I think sometimes about, um, you know, different pledges one could take to, to do different things, to be more of a weaver. And one of the ones that is most important for me is um, time. I'm, I'm always, like, busy. I always have 15 emails to do and, like, more work projects and people to see. And what that means is that so the, a thing that I'm working on right now is when my coworkers tell me about their weekend to like actually listen, to actually like sit down and listen to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that there are little things like that that all of us do better and worse all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you do them better, your life will be better and the lives of people around you will be better. That's good. Yeah. So it's, and you say that you're actually listening because that's something we have to try to do because for the most part, I think in our busy society, when people are talking to us, we're thinking about the other thing or we're concentrating yep. on that thing, that project we're working on or we're trying to figure out what to do about it. It's really sad how fragmented our attention is. Yeah. And I'm the yeah, number, I'm the, I'm the worst offender. <laughs> I'm always trying to do like 10 different things. I know me too. And it's, I, boy, I have to catch myself. There's somebody who gave me a phrase recently that like listening to respond is the wrong way to listen. You should not be sitting there thinking about what you're going to say next. You should actually just sit there and listen. Right, right. <laughs> and it's it's a lot harder than it sounds, actually. Um, 
And then technology, of course, makes all of this way worse. Right. So. And, and it is a learned skill set, right? And which I think what you just said is true, that the technology, the phone, has diminished that. Now, a- April, I grew up in a large family. I'm one of seven kids. So every oh, yeah? every night at 5 o'clock, all nine of us, my mom and dad and all seven kids, we sat down and we had dinner together. And, we, of course, we did mm-hmm. that, you know, for forever and ever and ever. So as the mm-hmm. as the next to the youngest of those seven kids – I was able to sort of sit back and look at the flow and watch those conversations take place. And I grew mm-hmm. into sort of the the chutzpah to, to have the, the wherewithal to step forward and not worry about being mm-hmm. mocked or put down or whatever. And I was able to add my mm-hmm. two cents. Now, I, I mm-hmm. only have two sons. So I see mm-hmm. them and, you know, I have to sort of teach them how to be intentional in their conversation where that was something mm-hmm. that just sort of came to me organically. And I I think that that phone thing kind of gets in the way as well, that, you know, it's become a crutch, um, mm-hmm. you know, when people when people are awkward or we're distracted or we're just not interested, we look at our phone mm-hmm. instead. And that's sort of the mm-hmm. anti weaver. <laughs> yes, the ripper. <laughs> that's right. We uh, we call it weaving and ripping. Oh. Um, and and, you know. It's just, it, but it's hard not to, right? Like it's, your phone is so interesting and maybe somebody just sent you a text message and, you know, who was it? What did it say? And it's, it's very hard. Actually, another pledge. So the way that, uh, one of the ways we're thinking about this is because these are little, little behaviors, um, like little things to do, uh, that add up to a way of being, it's a lot easier to change your habits than it is to like just start out and, you know, say like, as of willpower today, I'm going to like, be a reflective person who listens well. It's much easier to to think of like particular behaviors and then set an amount of time where like I'm going to do this for the next week or the next two weeks. And so another one that I'm working on is um, I, I am that person, just like you, Kathy, with the 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 cell phone and the doing ten different things at yeah. once. And so I'm I'm keeping my phone in my purse when I when I have coffee with people. That's which is <laughs> it sounds pathetic, but like that's actually really hard for me. Yeah. And and yet I will I, – I just have so much more ability to really listen and engage if I do that. Yeah. Um, so for the next two weeks, that's my I'm, – I'm pledging to you guys now. Are you <laughs> doing that? Okay, this is what I'm going to yeah. try. This is what I'm going to try to do because you've inspired me, April. When we have mm-hmm. meetings here, I'm going to try to keep my phone – I'm not going to try to look at my phone. Okay. But when mm-hmm. I'm talking to the two mm-hmm. of you. Okay? All right, thanks. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Look, look at Mike's laughing. Don't laugh, Mike. <laughs> Look, he, like, you know why? Because as we were talking, he's looking at his phone. Right, right. But, <laughs> but you know what? I think all of us know, and you, and you said this a little earlier, April, that some of us know people that are just natural at this. I mean, I remember hanging out with two guys, one guy in college, who his goal, when like we would go out somewhere, you know, to a movie or to whatever, uh-huh. he intentionally looked for people that he knew. Like he just couldn't mm-hmm. wait to connect with people. And another friend yeah. of mine, you know, he's made a career of approaching strangers. Or- See, I think, but you're oh. like that. Kind of. You are. You're very much like that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. That mm-hmm. I really think that's the. S- the I, I mean, April. I'm, I'm. I'm. I know. I'm like giving him all the compliments, yeah, yeah. but it's true. That's what you do. That's what you're so good at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but what I'm is that? Because he's resisting. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's just something about that that um. Uh, it's fearless, I guess I would say, right? People, I, I know people like that, and uh, whether I have that or not, I know people who possess that, mm-hmm. and I, I love that so much because they're so clean with who they are as a person and not afraid to whatever appear, you know, foolish or whatever, and they just put themselves out there. I just want you want to mm-hmm. embrace that because yeah. it's so without artifice at all. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy I, uh, I adore who's, who's one of the weavers in my life. And what he says is, you know, people may or may not tell you that there's a bridge to come in and get to know them, but he says, I'm going to assume there's a bridge and they'll tell me if it's not there, but I'm going to assume one's there and I'm coming in and I'm going to care about you. <laughs> and, you know, just, and, and that's so different from the way that I usually do things. And I love it. I, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we should just all try to do that with people because, you know, we love it when people do it for us. Um, April, before you leave us and our time's getting short, I want to ask you something that is weave-ish, but it's not about yeah. weaving people together as much as it is weaving ideas together. And this is might mm-hmm. be a little bit out of what you're thinking of, but it's something that I've been thinking about, something that John and I are working with a lot of the time is we're really trying to weave ideas together from people who wouldn't necessarily be have a commonality. Um, and mm. I think that, mm-hmm. I think that kind of a, in, in how we speak about things or how we talk about people or issues or whatever, I think that we can start to emphasize and, or at least make mm-hmm. an effort to find commonality with people. And maybe that's mm-hmm. one small, tiny, minuscule step to solving mm-hmm. this polarization. Right. No, wait, no. We, how about mm-hmm. the guy yesterday who was with us? Chris. Yeah. Chris, Chris Arnotti. Arnotti. Oh, April, you should know about this guy. He wrote a book called Dignity. Yeah. Uh, the book is called Dignity, and this guy was like mm-hmm. a, a day trader in Manhattan, and you know For making years. making buku money. But in the midst of his stress, he started to take walks into poorer neighborhoods, and he mm-hmm. bought a camera and just kind of wandered around. And that camera mm-hmm. was that bridge. People said, "Hey, man, take my picture," and then he'd walk over uh-huh. and talk to them. And what he discovered uh-huh. was in society that most people who are you know on the fringes are hanging out mm-hmm. in two places and generally at, at the same time it's either at, they're going to McDonald's and they're going mm-hmm. to church and those two mm-hmm. places allow people to gather in that community to be, and so mm-hmm. this guy was like this massive weaver it changed his mm-hmm. life the way that he integrated which is oh. so interesting because his weaving the weaving that he's done mm-hmm. that's represented 6 years of work in this book called Dignity um, was uh-huh. not present at all in his work as a day trader. Yeah, he was staring at screens right. all yeah, day long. Yeah, and, and, and but right. that that life change he made, he ultimately left his job. But that life change yeah. he made caused him to develop a whole new skill set, weaving mm-hmm. people together who were are mostly homeless um, mm-hmm. and being addicts. And, and addicts, and like John said, living on the margins in some way. But he, it mm-hmm. also changed him. As a person, Mm -hmm. you know, he said he started out, he said he hadn't darkened Mm -hmm. the inside of a church in, you know, 30 years. And he'd make fun of McDonald's. Right. Right. And and now he said, Uh, I don't know how I ended up being the person who hangs out at McDonald's and goes to church. (laughs) But but that's that's what weaving does, right? Is it changes the people around you, but it also changes you. Yeah. And uh, frankly, it changes you more than anybody else. Mm. And, And I just love that story. Yeah. And there are lots like it. I Yeah. I will look up that book. Thank yeah. you for telling me. You're going to love it. Yeah, yeah. you're going to love it. Awesome. Anyway, it's always fun. This is our monthly uh, segment with April Lawson. She's the Associate Director of Weave, the Social Fabric Project at the Aspen Institute. Thanks, April. Sight and Sound Theaters presents the biblical stage adventure, Returning to Lancaster. Who exactly is he? He's a miracle worker, a healer, a prophet. This Jesus is a rebel. Everything Jesus does points to love. 
Seen by nearly one million people in its debut year, the original stage production is returning for one last encore season. Jesus, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. More information is available at sight-sound.com. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I'm skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own my pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at Eden Christian Academy.org. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use this directive. Sometimes if you've heard this as a single person, and I know it's well-intended, when people say to you, don't you know? Word FM presents writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. God's going to send that person for It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. What's wrong with that thought process is it says that those of you who are married were ready when you got married. Some wives look at their husband like we've been married 23 years, he's still ready. For tickets and group discounts, go to wordfm.com. Kath, you've uh, you've been on a bicycle for the first time in your life recently, right? The last yeah, few I didn't, years. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until uh, I was, I think, I think it was when I turned 40, 41. Mm. Nice. Changed your life. It did. I yeah. love. I, I I absolutely love riding bikes. So put this on your bucket list. Okay. Something uh, a local guy here that is going to um, help out St. Stephen's Church in Sewickley. Um, check this out: a bike ride that spans twelve states, crosses deserts with temperatures more than hundred degrees, mm-hmm. mountains climbing eleven thousand yeah, feet. Yeah, this is not for me, John. The distance of the ride equals 114 marathons, or about the same that the average American drives in two and a half months. Riders will climb 100,000 feet. Um, the race across America, that's what it's called. A 12-day oh sprint. gosh. It starts at the under the pier in Oceanside, California, to the end of a dock in Annapolis, Maryland. Riders have to be in the saddle 
anywhere from 20 to 21 hours a day to complete it. And there's no big prizes at the end. It's a race that started today with a Christian Echeverria. It was on his bucket list. He's 60 years old, and as of noon today, he starts on this bike. And he's from Swickley. Yep, known as the world's toughest bicycle race. It's been a challenging uh, riders for 36 years. Oh, my God. He says you have to be very careful to manage everything from what you eat and drink to how fast you ride. Uh, Christian Echeverria says you have to break it down or you'll be too stressed to ride. He's also going to have a support crew, which includes his wife, um, Laurel, his kids, Andrea, Lauren, and Alex, and Pastor Seth Zimmerman of Redeemer North Boroughs Church in Bellevue. And uh, they're going to raise money for St. Stephen's Church. Uh, they're going to buy trees. He wants to buy 200 trees at a cost of $150 per tree. So far, they've raised about $16,000. How about that, man? He's got to uh, consume 300 calories an hour, most of, of course, driving the bike. Isn't that so crazy? you're eating while you're biking. Oh, you're doing every- You're on the bike for 21 that hours a day? How many days does it take? Yeah, it's not in here. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it would take. Oh, no, it's a 12-day sprint. 12 days. Twelve days, basically. Okay, first of all, how can that be? How can that be twelve days? That that would take me twelve years. Oh my gosh! And I'd have to be hospitalized you, a couple times. Plus, he's he's no spring chicken. This right. guy's sixty years old. He's only like he's twenty two. That yeah. is so impressive. God bless him, yeah, Christian Echeverria. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well you did <laughs> you did the uh, MS one fifty. Oh yeah, one hundred fifty right? miles. Big deal. I mean, that's, to me, that still sounds like a lot. Not really. Well, not compared to Kristen no. Echeverria. 75 miles a day, big deal. And this guy, 12,000. Just... Okay, how how can your body tolerate have, getting that little sleep and putting out that I many calories? No that doesn't make – like something about that mathematically doesn't Seriously, add up. Seriously, by like day three, you'd be hallucinating, right? I can't imagine what that's like. But he's going to do it. That's awful. Yeah. What a terrible idea, but good for him. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I love the idea that it's like there's no big prize. It's not like, you know, you're holding up a trophy or anything like that. You're just doing it because you love to do it. All right, Mike, he, you've been a cross-country runner for a long time. Oh, yeah, Mike, you're like time. an athlete. What's the um, – <laughs> you're what? like an athlete. Well, you're, I mean, not, you're, you're not, not actually athlete, one, but you're like I mean, one. You, you were, like one. When you first walked in here, you, you were like all slim. Now you're kind of, you yeah. know, portly. Yeah. He's but, not uh, portly. Well, he's a little chunky. Though I am happy to say I'm now yeah. weighing less than him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, That's what radio what's does the, to you. What's the, most, <laughs> what's the most challenging athletic endeavor you've done, Mike? Um, 16 miles. 16 miles what? Yeah. Of running? Of running. Oh, so not, not even a marathon? No. Look at was, me. I'm pooping. Listen. <laughs> not even listen look at John's not even oh, impressed. Not even a mile, 16 yeah. miles. That's you, not our, our, coach, our coach grabbed the whole team and said, we're doing a long run today. And so he would drive, drive us to... God knows where, and yeah. drop us off and say, okay, follow me. And then he just drives. Take off. You've got to be kidding off. me. We'd follow him. Really? Yeah. yeah. Was he driving like five miles an hour? Yeah, pretty much. 16 miles? 16 mm. miles. Okay, so you were going to do the half marathon this year. I was. But then you had that like hip problem? Yeah, bursitis in the okay. hip. It's called old age. Yeah. yeah. So do you think you want to do that again? Oh, definitely. Okay. Have you you've done that before? What, what's a half marathon? Third. Yeah, um, 13, 13 right? miles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So well, how about those guys who were climbing miles. Mount Everest? I mean, you know, that's extreme. 
You got to be in pretty good shape for that, don't you think? You got to have a great respiratory system. All right. How about all the stories coming out about Mount Everest? Have you seen these photographs of what it looks like? It's crazy. Two weeks ago, they had such a traffic jam of people trying to get up to the summit of Mount Everest. If you can believe this, the photograph would blow your mind because it's probably, what, 300 people? They said it was a four-hour wait. Okay. So there is a person, literally... 12 inches in front of you and 12 inches behind right. you and you're all trying to get up to the summit right. of Mount Everest while you are having every type of breathing difficulty, sure, man. every type of digestive difficulty. And I hate to say this and I'm not trying to be dramatic about it, but this is just what's happening is there are people who are fainting and right. some people who are dying people have died yeah. up there. right oh, yeah. around you. It's a oh, single yeah. thought. But, but these are people that are in excellent shape. Right. And are still... Fainting and dying around mm-hmm. you. Right, right. Yeah. It's not on my bucket list. Oh, my Because I'd kick the bucket trying to Gosh. get up there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Anyway, all right. Well, um, physical prowess, right? Yeah, I don't got it. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, leaving the Amish community, a personal perspective on the Amish and Mennonite sexual abuse crisis. We'll talk to Elam Zook at 5.15 this afternoon. So stay with us on today's Ride Home. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is getting briefed on Midwestern flood damage as he visits Nebraska prior to participating in political events in Iowa. March flooding caused at least $3 billion in damage in Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and Kansas. About two dozen levee systems were breached or overtopped during the Missouri River flooding that devastated parts of the state. A centerpiece of the U.S.-Mexico deal on immigration calls for rapid expansion of a new policy that makes Central American asylum seekers wait in Mexico while their cases wind through U.S. immigration courts. It's too early to say if the policy will achieve its goal of deterring more migrants from coming. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 14 points to 26,048. The Nasdaq unchanged. The S&P dropped one. Oil down a penny. It closed at $53.27 a barrel. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Our total basement finishing system is unique, but what's even more unique is the way we interact with our clients. Energy Swing's Steve Rennekamp on building the basement of your dreams. You have a dream to finish your basement. The question is, whose dream is it? A lot of other companies start working on your basement and build it the way they want to build it, and so it ends up not being exactly what you wanted. We don't work that way. With our 3D rendering system, you can actually see what your dream looks like before you decide to invest. Our design consultant comes on and actually builds the basement with you on his computer, and you can see a 3D rendering of that finished basement. And if you don't like something, we can change it around. We can even place furniture in the 3D rendering so you can see if all the things you want to do in the basement will fit the way you would like them to fit, which gives you a unique perspective on what the finished job is going to look like before anything is done. Mention Word FM for an additional 5% off over and above any other discounts at EnergySwingWindows.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? 
Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. Looking very nice for this evening. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Comfortable with a low of 51 for tomorrow. Sunny to partly cloudy. A nice afternoon, high 76. Turning cloudy tomorrow night with some showers around after midnight. Low 57, then breezy and cooler Thursday with clouds and a few showers, along with a thunderstorm. Thursday's high 66 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Gorgeous day. Isn't it just beautiful out there? Sure is. Don't you love, uh, you know, one of the cool things about, you know, your phone is you look at the weather forecast and you look ahead. Like, I was looking at the seven-day forecast. It's like the next seven days, everything's like in the lower 70s. See, I don't do that. Oh, I do. Just sort of tease myself. No. Because then I, because I don't Oh, I hope it, like, you know, it doesn't turn to like 98 for the next. Listen, I I could use some heat. No, no, this I'm is, a little, I'm a no, little no, no. cool. Like I would like to sit outside at night. I do. Without, Put a coat on. I'm, I'm cold out no, there. No, no, no. It's perfect. Seriously. Those, those 90s are going to come sooner or later. Right. So it's very good. Okay. Um, we were talking about the, what's in there? Mike's in there laughing. What you say? Go on. Go on with you. Just laughing at you guys bickering. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is, friends. It is what yeah. it is. Like some old married couple. Put a coat on. You put a coat on. It's not cold. It's what? Hot. It's hot. It's what? not cold. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about the uh, the most fun states where Pennsylvania was- uh, Number eight. Number eight. Out of fact. 50. Yeah, I yeah. feel good about that. So our friends at Barna, you know, the, the Barna people, the research people, they, uh, they've done a new survey called the most post-Christian cities in America. Okay, mm-hmm. so to qualify as a post-Christian city, 
individuals, individual states must meet criteria, which are these. Um, now, this is cities or states? These are cities. Okay. Mm-hmm. The criteria uh, to be post-Christian includes this. You've not read the Bible in the last week. Okay. You've not attended a Christian church in the last six months. You've never made a commitment to Jesus. You've not prayed to God in the last week. You disagree that faith is important in your life. You do not believe in God. So they did all this survey. They called hundreds and hundreds of people across the country. And um, it turns out that uh, we in the city of Pittsburgh are somewhere in the middle of the pack, which hmm. surprises me. All right. Um, now, before you tell me, I have some guesses as to which are the most post-Christian cities, but we can deal with that later. Yeah. But don't don't give that away because I'm kind of – I'm thinking in my head of what I would expect the most post-Christian cities in America okay. to be. There are also some findings that uh, the Barna people have on. Uh, on Uncovered that they're saying that millennial non Christians show greater spiritual curiosity mm-hmm. than older adults. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's well, true. Well, here's the problem. I mean, I, right? I mean, it just makes, makes perfect sense. I think sense. a lot of younger, well, I was going to say a lot of younger people are more curious than older people, but I don't think that's actually true. As soon as that was coming out of my mouth, I thought, wait, I don't think I actually believe that. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell well, you, you just broadcast well, that over 50,000 watts. But I'll tell you why is, you know, I have a, a consistent, um, relationship with a lot of college students because of the church I go to. And one of the things I've noticed over the last decade, and I'm I'm surprised Mm -hmm. by this, is I'm hearing and meeting students that to me seem less curious than they did a decade ago. Really? Uh Uh-huh. What do you think drives that? I don't know. I think it might have to do with the advent of phones and having so much information there that your curiosity is just waned a little bit it's just not really? because it's so easy you're just not as interested kind of anymore meh. i don't know it's just it's something that i've I, I we were just talking at home about the number of times my husband and i have asked the question to college students so what are you listening to like as far as music music what, what podcast listen, what are you listening to yeah. and you know what the answer most of the time is oh i don't know like everything Everything. What does that mean? Doesn't well, like, mean anything. Okay, so what? But what are you? What are you listening? I don't. It, it's like because of the Spotify, the Apple Music, the Pandora. It's like you hit play and then you don't uh, hear it. Yeah, yeah. Like Where, us, we used to love. I'm so into this album right now. I can't believe exactly how, because you had to go buy it right. and then you had to put it on and you had to look at it and you had. But mm. now it seems like music has become a. A background thing. Mike, have you noticed this with people? Yeah, it's, it's easy access to other genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Spotify and, so, and iTunes. and Right. And so yeah. all of a sudden, it's like you're only 5% of your brain's engaged. Right. Hmm. Bummer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to divert you down Jeez. such a sad path. I mean, heck. But yeah, okay. Well, I was. you just trumped my post-Christian moment. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, Radiohead next. I got nothing. All right. Can I guess about the most post? Yeah. Okay. Cities well, it's kind of like a sad ranking, isn't it? Sort of like a well, it is. sad. It is. To hear where Pittsburgh is. Okay. Yeah. So wait, wait. So here's some good news. So we were sort of making fun of West Virginia because they were the least fun state. Right? Fifty out of fifty. By what was it? Wallet Hub. Bottom right? of the barrel. Bottom of the barrel. The good Sorry, news friend. is they are the least post-Christian city. Is Charleston, Huntington, West Virginia. How about that? Mm. Out of 100 cities, Charleston is the least post-Christian. 
Oh, well, wait, uh, wait a second, double negative. Uh, of course the it least is. post-Christian. So they're the most Christian? I would think, yeah, I would say that that's true. They're leaning, yeah, considering the metrics I just told you about, you know, praying, believing in God, right, we'll going to church in. and all that. Okay. But not fun Christians there, obviously. <laughs> no, because they're stuck in their ways. <laughs> and they're not listening to Spotify, or maybe too much. Okay, uh, Pittsburgh, I'll tell you where Pittsburgh is. Is okay, okay, where is it? So 100 cities, Pittsburgh is number 37. Post-Christian. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you want to talk uh, All right, top so, 10? Yeah, I want to do the top 10. I want to guess some right. of the cities that are going to be in the top 10. Okay. You might be surprised. Most post-Christian cities. All right. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon is... Uh, nope. Not in the top 10. No, but there is a Portland, Maine, which is number two. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, Washington, D.C. is not anywhere near that. No. Wow. Mm-hmm. No. Thank you, President. Seattle, Washington. Seattle is number 10. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston. Boston is uh, number five. Uh, okay. All right. So I've gotten two out for uh, Good. New York, New York. New York, New York. Uh, no. Okay. No. Not in the top 10. All right. Okay. Uh, Santa Barbara. Which is a place that you love, number nine. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Rochester, New York is number eight. That's because they are so cold. Mm-hmm. There's just way too much snow. Hartford, Connecticut, number seven. Albany, Schenectady is number uh, six. Boston, five. Burlington, Vermont, number four. Providence, Rhode Island, number well, three. Wow, New England is heavy, huh? Portland, uh, Maine. Maine, number two. And Springfield, Illinois. Massachusetts. Oh, Springfield, Massachusetts. So all wow, New England. look at that. They're all New England. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wow. Post-Christian worlds. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, interesting. All right. All right. Coming up next. What are you um, listening to? Yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking. Speaking. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to answer. Coming up next. I'm listening uh, to Spotify. That's what's said. Whatever. Uh, we had a fascinating conversation uh, last week with Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg, who put together a six-part series in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on sexual abuse in the Mennonite and Amish communities of faith. It was a fascinating, sad um upsetting hour, but really important reporting that's been done here in the city of Pittsburgh that's garnering worldwide attention. And today we want to go for a more personal story, um, leaving the Amish community a personal perspective on the Amish and Mennonite abuse crisis. Coming up next, it's Elam Zook, raised in the Amish faith. He left it in his 30s and he'll tell his story coming up next. Are you getting close to retirement? Have you experienced a nice bump in your portfolio? Well, we know that the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure you have a retirement that's tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle them too. With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. So call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Give them a call, 724-884-1496 or find them online, marleyfg.com. 
101.5 WORD. Our world values power and skill, strength and ability. But God doesn't measure his servants by the world's standards. In God's economy, our weakness is strength. Hear the conclusion of a countercultural series on that subject this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Beck. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Got different companies running your web design, social media marketing, and geofencing, but not sure which is getting you customers and which is a waste of your dollars? Contact us at Salem Surround. We can put all your digital marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports, and instantly move your advertising to the most effective areas of your digital marketing suite. Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Providence Presbyterian Church. Washington Alliance Church. Bethlehem Lutheran Church. St. John the Baptist Church. Impact Christian Church. The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. If you're living under the dark cloud of hidden secrets and judgment, then it's time for you to apply the teaching of Psalm 51 in your own life. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How amazing would it be that rather than hide in the darkness of our past, we can have God Himself as our hiding place, our place of safety, His unfailing love, and forgiveness just like david experienced christians with secret addictions sunday night at 6 45 on word peter smith and stephanie strasberg shelly bradbury starting may 20th of this year they produced a six-part series that ran in the pittsburgh post-gazette called coverings and it was the story of uh, mennonites and amish who were talking about the uh, widespread recognition of sexual abuse in their communities. And uh, we uh, last week had Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg with us on air, which garnered a lot more conversation about the heartbreak of these stories that we heard. Yeah, and because the Amish and Mennonite, particularly the Amish, have such a closed community, um, that has... I don't know. It brings a lot of attention to them. And we, we're curious. We've talked for years about uh, the rise of Amish fiction. Right. How many books have come across your desk, John, over the last 10 years that have to do with, you know, stories about, you know, Amish people and, you know, people growing up in the church and deciding whether to leave it. So, and, and that type of distance that they keep from culture is what magnifies our type of, I don't know, interest in them. Right. Because we tend to look at them as so closed off that there's something that's mysterious, but at the same time, because of their dress and the simple way of life that we presume that they're living, there's something that's beautiful about it that we would like right. to emulate that's otherworldly, certainly not 21st century America. But of course, what we've found out that the, the reporting by Peter Smith and Shelley Bradbury and Stephanie Strasberg is that there is a dark underbelly to the Amish Mennonite communities. So much so that uh, we got a voicemail from um, a young a man, Elam Zook. And Elam used to be part of the Amish community. 
and reached out to us because he heard our broadcast through a podcast. And Elam Zook joins us now. Elam, we welcome you to Word FM. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, Elam, we're just happy that you reached out and that you're willing to join us on the air. Uh, let's start out, Elam, with your story. Um, you were born into an Amish community? That's correct. So being born into an Amish community, what did that mean for you? Can you talk about your family of origin? Uh, well, we were uh, Old Order Amish in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I was the youngest of eight boys, and um, being Amish was... Um, it, it, you know, I, I never considered myself not Amish, even though I wasn't a baptized member. It's a, it's a very uh, immersion experience in culture that is sort of all-encompassing, um, um, which you know plays into uh, other issues related to: is there a choice to uh, be a member of the church as an adult, which is what. Anabaptism was about, and you know, was the founding origins of the Amish. Um, so, so those um, th- those are very real issues in terms of um, authenticity. Um, right. But Elam, growing up, can you talk about your childhood growing up? Uh, would you say generally you had a happy childhood? I would. Um, I I think. My parents uh, imbued me with this sense of it's good to be Amish, and uh, some of that was um, not uh, overtly religious. I, I think the, the Amish um, kind of sidestepped a lot of social turmoil in the last, um, at least the you know the last part of the 1900s. Uh, the the uh, 1960s and, and the wars, they, they just kind of ducked aside from that. Yeah. And and so there was a sense that um, it's good to be Amish. Right. So, so us, I'm saying us, you know, us Anglos or people from the outside looking in, as we romanticize the Amish Mennonite communities, there, there was some, some truth to that, right? I mean, there was a, a peacefulness about it. Um, certainly the lack of technology made the pace of life a, a little slower and by association perhaps a little better. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's legitimate reasons to, to look up to the Amish, but, but there's, um, there's also, uh, especially when it comes from outsiders, there's there's uh, projection that happens. Um, <clears throat> people sort of just decide what's real for them and and who the Amish are and what that experience must be like, and and then that's when things really go off the rails. Right, and that's the case, I'm sure, when anyone is looking at someone else's community, whether it's a faith community or ethnic community or whatever. Elam, talk about um, why it was that you grew up in an Amish community, yet you weren't baptized. Well, I I was baptized as a a young adult, uh, but not, you know, uh, what what the point I was trying to make is that I, uh, I guess, is your question, uh, you're, you're asking me about adult baptism? Yeah, I actually was, I didn't realize that, um, so when you talked about 
living as an unbaptized uh, member of the Amish community. You were saying that that was all the years up until you were what, fourteen or fifteen or? Uh, I was um, nineteen when I was oh, baptized. Okay, all right. So, Elam, the stories that have come out, the reporting in the Post Gazette. Of course, you you part of that. You read the series and have heard about it and whatnot. You listened to our broadcast last week. When you see the truth of that, can you speak to that? Um, that's something that you were familiar with, those stories of abuse and all that. I mean, the, the horror of that. That was something that you were familiar with as a, as a member of the community? Um, I was not. I, I uh, you know, my you know experience wasn't perfect, but I was not a privy or a part of any kind of uh, abuse on a, on a scale that that was being discussed. But um, I guess you know what what I think is the crucial issue for for Amish uh, and, and Plain community members is that when it happens, um, what their options are and what their what their process is to to gain help. Uh, some of the some of the stories in the Post Gazette article talk about young children who had no access to anybody outside of the community. Right. And that's that's a very crucial part uh, of, of this story. Um, in Catholic or whatever denomination when this happened, there's, there's a, already structures in place. Now, they may not function perfectly, but, but Amish and, and clean community Mennonites have been trained that the outside world is bad and to trust them and to go to them for help mm, yeah. is akin to, to heresy. So so that's a that's a really important part to this that when it happens, uh, what happens then? Mm. And that's that's the tragedy. There's the the hurdles that have to be crossed for help are are really tragic and, and then the trauma is is exacerbated. I see. So that that sort of uh, internal push, right, where, you, for lack of a better phrase, it's almost like an echo, echo chamber where the community is just talking to themselves only. The outside world is not part of that conversation. I just need to go back to you personally. It, in some ways, was that part of the reason, and I'm not sure why, I'm just asking, of why you left the Amish community that you were born into? Uh, my reasons for leaving were that um, I I came to understand that um, being Amish was was in effect um, divorcing myself from actively participating in my own life. Hmm. Um, that kind of uh, autonomy or uh, agency is intentionally uh, uh, discouraged, and so when when there are problems, uh, for me, it was my wife and I were struggling in our relationship, and and there, there was there was nowhere to go. There was no other than outside of the community, and and for me, what happened is we did reach out outside of to, to the Mennonites actually, and the the the. the they were very, very good in retrospect. They asked us, does your community support you? And we kind of looked at each other and we said, <laughs> we don't know. And they said, could you ask? Because this is important. Because, because their data showed that 
couples who effectively work on their relationship do so more they, they have better outcomes if their community is aware of what's going on and is supportive. And, and so, so we, we did, we, we asked, and the answer was don't go. And, uh, what, what happened with, we, we mostly me maybe were a little defined about that. We went anyway. Wait, the message, Elam, Elam, let me interrupt you and just clarify something. The message to you was don't leave the community or don't go from the community or don't, don't go to therapy. Don't go to therapy. Got it. And what I came to sort of realize was that, um, you know, the deacon who was the who conveyed the message, "Don't go." Um, if he had uh, a problem with one of his farm animals, he went to a veterinarian, and that veterinarian had the latest training, the latest drugs, the latest technology that science could provide. Right. If one of his crops was you know, failing or had some disease, you know, the Penn State Ag agent would come in and diagnose it again with the latest science and mm-hmm. technology. And But when our relationship was, was struggling and when we were struggling as human beings, that, that that reaching out to the outside community wasn't available. And so that was sort of a breaking point for me where I... um I wasn't willing to sort of comply under that doctrine. Mm-hmm. And over a course of, uh, you know, four or five years, I eventually decided I need to act on um, the kind of internal change that was happening and, and be honest and say, I'm not willing to do this anymore. Right. And so when that time came, how difficult was it for you to leave? How old were you whenever that happened? Well, I was um, I was in my early thirties. Uh, I was married to an Amish woman. Uh, we had three children. Um, um, my wife at the time uh, uh, I've divorced since it was um, had a chronic uh, chronic illness, so we were struggling financially. I had to change jobs because of this decision. I had to, um, we had to get a different place to live. And my wife stayed, and she is still an old order, compliant old order member. And so it was very difficult because we couldn't just go rent an apartment somewhere because she needed to keep the horse. So it was, there were just this host of obstacles to overcome which makes that journey um, much more difficult. Really difficult. Right. And so then, Elam, as you left and left that life behind, did that also necessitate leaving relationships as well? Uh, yeah, I um, pretty much parted ways with my family. Um, that, it wasn't instantaneous, but um, I was, a, as a community member, I was a very docile. Um, go along to get along person and, 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 and what happened when I, even though I had stopped going to church, if I interacted with my family, I, <laughs> I sort of lapsed back into that role. And, um, and so it was hard. It was difficult to, um, I guess what psychologists call individuate. Uh, and, and so I did less and less of it, uh, 
Uh, it, I eventually separated and divorced my wife, uh, partly for the same reasons. Um, our relationship was an Amish relationship, and 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 she wasn't uh, willing to to change that, and uh, that sort of the heart of what I wanted to let go of and um, so it was um, that that step was uh, part of the process we need to take a, a just a break for a few minutes Elam Zook is with us we're talking about the Amish Mennonite community the Peter Smith Stephanie Strasberg Shelley Bradbury piece that was in the Post-Gazette Elam was a member of the Amish community as you hear he has since left that story continues call that special man. It's time to gather him up and head on out to the springhouse for our annual Father's Day steak and chicken fry. That's right, steak and chicken, both marinated and cooked to perfection over an open pit outdoors. And to complete this great Dad's Day meal, we're making baked mashed potatoes, Ed's green beans, corn pudding, Alabama casserole, Dutch greens, homemade rolls, rice pudding, blondies, brownies, and of course, all of our springhouse drinks featuring our famous chocolate milk. That's right, you can't beat it. There will be live music and inside and outside seating and a free ice cream cone for every dad. Come to the Springhouse to treat your dad to a special day. Call 228-3339 for more details. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 671 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Somewhere today, at a Christian school near you, a teacher arrived at work. Not because of a paycheck, but a calling, a divine privilege to invest their skills, their time, their academic training, their entire life, to equip young minds for success in this world and beyond. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net Education for mind and soul. pittsburghchristianschools.net They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I help them? For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 724-265-4100 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless.
Looking very nice for this evening. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Comfortable with a low of 51 for tomorrow. Sunny to partly cloudy. A nice afternoon, high 76. Turning cloudy tomorrow night with some showers around after midnight. Low 57, then breezy and cooler Thursday with clouds and a few showers, along with a thunderstorm. Thursday's high 66 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. I spent a lot of time in Lancaster County. My husband is from there, and so for years um, we've hung out and talked visited with family. We were, visited family, talked with a lot of um, Mennonite people, met some in the Amish community as well. And um, in spite of all of that, it wasn't until I read the piece in the PG by Peter Smith and Shelley Bradbury and um, Stephanie Strasberg that I considered what. I, I guess I never thought about a person inside the community needing help and having nowhere to go, right. no one to reach out to. And so that series, that six-part series, and if you haven't read it yet in the PG, you just have to. You can find it online. Um, it was really important for me, um, and it was a way for me to understand that community better. And so we're happy to have Elam Zook with us. Um, Elam is from Lancaster County, raised in the Amish faith. He married, uh, grew up in the faith, married an Amish woman, had three children, and then in his 30s began to follow a fellowship with the community. He now lives outside of it, and he's a writer and consultant for Franklin and Marshall College. Elam, let me ask you this. Um, since you have spent so much of your life in the community and are now outside the community. I'm wondering how you read that six-part series in the Post-Gazette and the kinds of... You said that you didn't know about sexual abuse going on, but that it didn't surprise you. And so I'm wondering what you meant by that and how what kind of structures there are in the plain communities that you think are allowing that to happen. Um... Uh, well, I guess it, it partly needs to be understood as it's not exclusively an Amish phenomenon. It's, it's a human phenomenon. Yes, and it is. again, the, the issue is what happens when it happens. And, and the, the Amish answer to that is that they're very patriarchal. Um, men have a lot of authority. Um, men aren't just, there, there's no mechanism to hold men accountable. When, when they uh, uh, abuse their privilege, and 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 that's that's you know that's a part of our story. There's, there, you know, women that don't have enough of uh, education and and knowledge to and and just uh, uh, agency to to respond, even to support each other, mm-hmm. and. And so that's a big part of the Amish story is that uh, these uh, these abuse victims are at uh, at a big disadvantage. While the well, frequently it's you know it's the men that are the abusers, and there's 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 a a, a real struggle. There, there's a real deficit for accountability and. And rehabilitation, and and um, and protecting children. Right. It's just it, it's it's it, there's a real deficit there, and and the specifics of what contributes to that need they need discussion, they need 
solutions. They need an examination of root causes. Why is this happening, and and what do we do about it, and where do we go from here? Right. So, Elam, so in, in the series, the prescription was forgiveness. And so the perpetrator... That was the prescription within the community. Right. So the perpetrator within the community offered forgiveness once it once the abuse came out the victim was compelled to offer for, to, to accept the forgiveness and then once that exchange happened it was, let's just get on with it hug your father right yeah yeah um i think uh the, the problem with that is that uh so much of amish ideology is rooted and and stagnant in you know the 1600s ethos of morality and 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 the, the the who the Amish are the Amish are a 20th century phenomenon they're not this continuum of 400 years they're their rejection of of enlightenment principles like reason and critical thought is a recent phenomenon and if you don't understand that uh, there's very little, there's very little hope to 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 reach a better place if if that identity of rejecting modern uh, engagement with issues. Uh, these these women and children's uh, agency is is under this um, authority of male dominance that is not really accepted anywhere else in the world. I mean, I, I, that's, that's maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but that's, that's the phenomenon is, is it's, it's, it's a 1600 ethos of, of authority. Right. So then it goes back to that, that patriarchal society and the male domination. And essentially though, the, what I see it, and I know this is to, you've talked about this, is that the lack of education beyond eighth grade prohibits a deeper dive into societal norms. Yeah. And, and it, it prevents them from processing their own issues. Uh, you know, um, uh, I forget the, <laughs> the, the people that do it, but, but it's been understood that as society, human humanity moved away from being subject to the rule of kings, their relationship to God changed too, where it became more of a participatory thing and, and not so much a, a, a ruling down onto. Right. And, and that's, that's not in question, but what defines the Amish is, and this is, this is historical, while the rest of the world was doing that, they were persecuted, and and then when they finally, uh, well, there was a mass immigration to America, and then when they finally had the freedom to do it, to process that, uh, close to 75% of them left the Amish and, and reverted back to being Mennonites because they were processing their issues with a modern understanding of a relationship to God and 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 reason and critical thought. What defines the Amish is that they reacted to that process and said, we're not going to do that. And it was a normal process. The Mennonites or those Amish that joined the Mennonites, they were making a bit of a mess of it. <laughs> so 
I'm just saying that in, in the face of social turmoil, stasis is a normal human reaction. Sure. But what, what happened is that the outside world and the, the non-Amish world kind of jumped in and said, let us help you. Uh, and, and I'm talking about Wisconsin versus Yoder, uh, the Supreme Court decision that exempted the Amish from compulsory education requirements. It was it was enabling them to to stay in that frozen state, and and that's bad. It's it's an intervention from the state by the state government into a religious authority to enable it to enforce its 1600s era ethos, and it's no good. So that laissez-faire from the government, from the United States government allows this to happen, whether it's intervention in health care, education, all sorts of things that allow the Amish to continue on in those, as Elam Zook says, in their frozen ways. Of course, though, we live in America where there's freedom of religion, and that's a guaranteed um, right that's extended to all American citizens. The question is, where's the line? Our conversation continues in just a few minutes. We're talking with Elam Zook, who has left the Amish tradition, This is all predicated on Peter Smith's Mennonite Amish series called Coverings, which was in the Post-Gazette. written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors just like you publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. To help you get started, we want to send you our free author submission kit. Christian Faith Publishing reviews every book submitted to us. And if your book is approved, we'll edit, design, print, and distribute your book online and in bookstores everywhere. Imagine seeing your book in specialty Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. It could happen, and it all starts with one call to Christian Faith Publishing at 800-566-1012 for your free author submission kit. If you have a novel, children's book, poetry, biography, or any inspirational work you've written, we can help you get it published today. Shouldn't you work with a publisher who shares your Christian values of integrity and honesty? You can get your book published. So call for your free author submission kit right now. Call 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. 101.5-WORD. Hi, I'm Andrew Farley, author of Twisted Scripture, Untangling 45 Lies Christians Have Been Told. I'll be sending one lucky winner and a companion to Dallas, Texas, for the Twisted Scripture Conference this November. Enter on this station's website and download my free guide to your identity in Christ. Hope to see you in Dallas. Sign up for the Twisted Scripture Conference. Conference Getaway in Dallas now. Go to wordfm.com slash twisted. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Sometimes if you've heard this as a single person, and I know it's well intended, when people say to you, don't you worry. Word FM presents writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. God's going to send that person for It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. What's wrong with that thought process is it says that those of you who are married were ready when you got married. 
We've been married 23 years. He's still in. For tickets and group discounts, go to wordfm.com. Are you looking to grow your career with an advanced degree? With 100% online programs in regional centers in South Point, Cranberry, and Penn Center East, Waynesburg University has a program to fit your needs and your schedule. We offer flexible and affordable graduate programs in business, counseling, education, criminal investigation, and nursing, as well as degree completion programs in nursing, business, and criminal justice. Waynesburg University's programs will equip you with the knowledge and expertise needed to implement coursework into your daily work and grow your career. To learn more, visit waynesburg.edu. The revelations of sexual abuse in the Amish and Mennonite communities are just the latest. We've talked on our show about the horrific series of events that led to us finding out about the Roman Catholic abuses, just specifically here in Pennsylvania after the grand jury report. We talked about what's gone on in the Sovereign Grace denomination, which is in the um, Central Atlantic region. We talked about what happened at um, Willow Creek in Chicago. Southern Baptist. Um, what happened, what's going on right now in the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I appreciate our, our guest, Elam Zook, for saying it's a human problem. It's not just an Amish problem no. or a, a plain uh, community problem. Um, it's a human problem. But what happens when it happens? And that's what we're talking about with Elam Zook. Elam was raised in an Amish faith. Uh, he married an Amish woman, had three children, and then in his 30s, he began to fall out of fellowship with the community, and he now lives outside it. He's a writer and a consultant for Franklin and Marshall College, and he's been with us this hour sharing his own personal story. Um, Elam, let me ask you, um, in our last segment, we talked about what it, we, we had delineated again what I just said, and it's so important to say that this is not a problem exclusive to the plain communities. Um, this is a human issue. So I asked you what it was that helped it to flourish in a sick and twisted way in the Amish community. And you talked about patriarchy and you talked about the resistance to outside forces. Um, but I, when you brought up the Supreme Court decision about um, that happened in the 1970s, assuring the Amish communities that they were allowed to handle education however they wanted to handle it, and that included stopping education at eighth grade, you said that that was a mistake. Um, talk about how you resolve that in your head with the assurance of religious freedom that we all have in America? Um, I believe that the religious freedom that is um, associated with the the Wisconsin versus Yoder ruling is a fraud. The reason for that is that um, at the time of the ruling, before it was made, all the other religious people in the United States had religious freedom. In fact, most of the Amish at the time of the ruling had already made arrangements uh, with their local state and um, and county officials to adapt to what they felt they needed. So the, the, the Yoda ruling came in and solved the problem that didn't really need solving. The Amish never, it never was about forcing the Amish into a secular education. They already had the freedom to educate their children or send them to whatever school they wished, which all all of those Amish that joined the Mennonites in that schism that I referred to, they, they had schools. They were teaching their own children. All the Catholics were teaching their own children. 
Only the Amish got this exemption sculpted out that was only for them. And what it did was was turn uh, re- turn re- religious freedom into this carte blanche, you know, excuse to reject every uh, idea of engagement or pluralism in in the country, mm-hmm. and that's not that's a that's a bastardization of what what religious freedom should mean. Right. So then, because of that ruling, Elam, are you saying that ruling has in many ways soured or muddied Amish life because there's no outside influence? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it, it's not. I don't think it's. It's uh, this is really important. It has not only soured Amish life; it has soured um, American life because the ruling was. Only, it wasn't. The Amish didn't do it. It was done by outsiders who wanted it. And it's now being used. Homeschooling is absolutely a wild west. There is no oversight. There is people, you know, can just take their kids out of a school and and teach them whatever they want. And the government does nothing. But certainly there are there are testings and standards that Charles has to go through to receive that high school diploma. Uh, do your research. There's not. Homeschooling is a wild west. People can do whatever they want, and nobody intervenes. Um, and so this, but but that happened because of Wisconsin versus Yoder. You couldn't do that prior to that. Mm-hmm. They, the, but American society took Wisconsin versus Yoder, and, and or I should say, certain segments of American society took Wisconsin versus Yoder and used it to reject every element of of a of the idea of what America is about. Well, this and, then, yeah, Elam, this then is the problem with 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 any freedom that is given to people in a free society is that it can be abused. And this is, you know, this is the, the stress that we're under in a democratic society is it gives us a greater responsibility to manage ourselves and our own families and our communities. And that's where these abuse stories come in in ways that are so unbelievably destructive and sad. Elam, we can't thank you enough for being with us today and sharing your story, for contacting us and for giving us a personal perspective that we just just, we really needed to round this out, and so uh, we're grateful for you. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. That's Elam Zook. Um, he now lives outside the Amish community, still in Lancaster County. He's a writer and a consultant for Franklin and Marshall College. So you sit down and do your budget, and you look at all your monthly costs and your bills and your income, and it seems like there's never quite enough. You know what would really help, finding $500 a month to help balance things out. That is the typical savings, $500 a month for a family when you switch to MediShare for your health care. And when it comes to health care sharing ministries, MediShare is really the gold standard. It's been around for 25 years and has more than 400,000 members. It's been around so long and grown so much because it works. And whether you're single or married or have kids, this could make sitting down to do a monthly budget a lot more fun. 
$500 a month can more than cover a car payment or payback loans, whatever. So join MediShare and go out to dinner to celebrate. Here's the number to call. They are incredibly kind and helpful to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, Hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I'm skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own my pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. Right now at Napa Auto Care Centers, when you spend 250 bucks on Napa brake parts, you can get a $75 prepaid Visa card. Quality parts installed by pros, that's Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Care Centers, exclusions apply. Offer ends June 30th. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. Sometimes if you've heard this as a single person, and I know it's well-intended, when people say to you, don't you worry. Word FM presents writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. God's going to send that person for you. It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. What's wrong with that thought process is it says that those of you who are married were ready when you got married. I saw some wives looking at your husband like, we've been married 23 years, he's still in love. For tickets and group discounts, go to wordfm.com. Okay, so Elam's look is right. I mean, there is a wide variance of regulation or oversight by the federal government as far as homeschooling is concerned. And look, I... I I believe in religious freedom, and I think that people ought to. I think that the parent needs to have the option of what they, how they educate their kids. Yeah. I mean, how many homeschooling families have you known in your life who have absolutely oh, crushed it? Crushed it. Excellent homeschooling. Excellent homeschooling. Um, so, and how many public schools do you know that are, you know, the total opposite kind of junky? Well, they're also junky homeschoolers and they're excellent public schools. Right. And I, so I'm, I'm not an advocate on either side. I'm just saying that I like the idea of people being free to do what they want to do. But again, in every free society and with every issue like this, that it has the opportunity for abuse. Right. But it breaks your heart to think about, you know, how many really bright, engaged kids are growing up in these Amish Mennonite communities. And then at eighth grade, it's all over. So you can't dig deep. So there's no doctors. There's no scientists. There's no whatever. Great thinkers and minds who are left to roam and really engage. Right. And I agree with that. At the same time, we have seen... 
for you, I mean, you and I have seen it when we were in Lancaster a couple of years ago, um, that they have other benefits. Yeah, they oh, don't have the an advanced education. The work but the, yeah, the type of skills that they have, the type of trades that they do. I mean, it, I recognize that, yeah, okay, so you're not going to have doctors and lawyers there, but you're going to have a lot of other things. I'm not saying I'm advocating it. I'm not trying to stick up for it. I'm just trying to observe what is. Right. Different communities have different strengths and weaknesses. But uh, Elam is right. I mean, that Supreme Court ruling in 72, that changed the nature of of the Amish Mennonite communities. Because, heck, the government's going laissez-faire. I'm just going to stay out of this whole thing. Right. It, it's ripe for abuse. Yeah. And, of course, you but, see uh, this but, in this report. But, again, any freedom is ripe for abuse. Yeah. I mean, look at – we have the freedom of speech. <laughs> That's right for abuse. It just means in a free society, it requires that there are responsible citizens. But the problem is for people like Elam and other people in the community who need and want help, I know. it's not available. I know. So there's the problem. Right. I don't know how you break that down because the community polices itself. Well, interesting. Hey, thanks as always. We really appreciate you being mm-hmm. here with us. The podcast is up about uh, 15 minutes or so after we leave the air. Uh, iTunes, of course. Well, iTunes, we can't say that. It's not a thing anymore. It is still a thing. It's a All thing right. for a while. JohnandKathyShow.com, the Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.